Welcome to Elevate. I'm so happy you're here with me today, and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. As an evidence-based coach, mentor, and entrepreneur, I'm obsessed with learning and personal development as it's transformed my entire life, as well as those I get to work with. And to be quite frank, it's literally the entire reason this podcast exists, to feel your growth, gain perspective, and acquire knowledge. So buckle up, friends. You're in for a treat. And as always, thank you for supporting me and the show so we can continue to elevate our own lives as well as those you share this with. Now, let's get into it. Happy Tuesday. After Memorial Day weekend, people are getting back to life, back to normal. And Kate and I, who's one of my favorite coaches out on Instagram, are going to talk about disordered eating and what causes it, how to deal with it, some tactics to put in place, and some mindset shifts to get folks through it, to not have a victim mentality when it comes to disordered eating, and not being identified by your disorder, but being able to overcome it and, and manage it. What is going on? Not much. How are you doing? Well, you know, another day. I cannot complain at all. How are you? Uh, above average, I would say. Um, you know. I had five guys last night, so I'm a little groggy. Okay. But I expected it. It tasted really good in the moment, and that's what I was thats what I was all about was the moment. At least you were aware of that decision, and you were conscious going into it, knowing the consequences that might come about on the other side, which is something that we can dive into, because uh, a lot of people do make a lot of decisions where they aren't necessarily aware or conscious of the potential downsides of those choices. What a great segue into disordered eating. I do what I can. I know. Um, so this, I think it was a timely conversation. So I had posted a few, last week I posted about people controlling their food intake and that like being one of the biggest drivers of internal health, mood, blah, 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 everything. And then somebody had commented saying that, well, the basis of an eating disorder is that you have no control over it. So, you know, in my normal smart assness way, I got back and I said, so basically by that logic, a man with a sex addiction can just go around and rape and be absolved of his problems because he has a disorder that he can't handle and he can't control. Um, and I'm just of the school of thought that I don't care what mental issue exists unless it's terminal. There's probably some facet or avenue of help somewhere, somehow. And I think as human beings that are going to spit around this planet for as long as we are, it's important to be able to understand that help is available and then we should actively try to seek help. So you have a little bit more, probably a lot more knowledge about this topic and have dealt with it more than I have probably maybe even so personally, where does this come from? How do people get into these disordered eating patterns? We'll start there and then we'll go on from that. What's going on, guys? So I interrupted this incredible episode to remind you of the seminar that is coming October 1st to downtown Dallas, Texas, open to the public. I'm about to drop some incredible information on some added speakers uh, dropping this week, and the early word special will be done um, at the end of June. So I want to give you this heads up here to go ahead and get those tickets to be able to be here, be present with us, and I promise you, you do not want to miss it. So bring a friend, tell, a, tell your family, and I hope to see you guys there. Yeah, so that in itself is a lot to dissect. Uh, I think that there are different arenas of different populations that have exposure to different standards. And we'll point this out because I think when somebody said this to me, I was kind of shocked but accepted it because I do agree with the statement that 
most beauty standards for women are put out there by other women. And so we tend to operate in a way where we are accepted by that. For example, right? Most men don't actually give a fuck if you have an oblique line or not. Most men think that you are more attractive when you have a little bit more meat on you. Most men don't give a fuck if you have fake eyelashes or real eyelashes. Most men don't care if you cake up your face or if you're naturally yourself. And half the time, guys that I've dated don't notice. So when I think about the pressures that women go under, most of the time it's to be accepted as higher level in comparison to other women who have deemed this level of aesthetic um, to be more valuable, right? And so most of the time women feel very insecure and you can speak on men, um, but I know that men struggle with their own issues. Most of the time it's in, in polar opposite to women. Most men are never big enough. Most women feel like they're never small enough, right? And so that, that, contra that contradiction is interesting to me. But um, I think that, for example, you know, my background, if you guys don't know who I am, uh, I have my master's of exercise science in performance and physique enhancement. I worked under Dr. Bill Campbell at USF. I also worked with Dr. Buckner um, in his respective labs. And I competed in bodybuilding and did a lot of research in that population specifically. And there are a lot of psychological adaptations that happen when you get into such an aggressive calorie deficit. And I think that this is something that's not much discussed with people prior to going down that road. Now, I think it's, it's an awesome thing to do if you want to do that. However, I do think it's really important to consider the potential downsides of any decision. And so one framework that I really like to use when I am making a decision is what are the potential upsides? What are the potential downsides? And can I live with the downsides being the outcome? And so when you go down a road of getting shredded, and I'm talking shredded. This is not healthy. I don't care what anybody tries to tell you. Competing is not healthy. You get to a point where you are literally looking like a, a malnourished human being, right? And this is by choice. And so I think that there's a lot of different tangents I could go down when it comes to diet culture in itself. But I think that you have to weigh the potential downside of losing your health, losing your mental health, you losing your, objective, your ability to objectively look at a healthy body, what that actually looks like in real time. Because once you see yourself shredded, your perception of lean and healthy is forever skewed to that extreme. And so understanding that body dysmorphia is probably an outcome. Understanding that once you learn that much about food, you're never going to look at a piece of pizza or a Mexican taco the same, right? You're not going to be able to remove the knowledge that you've now acquired going down that journey of tracking everything meticulously, right? You're not gonna make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich ever again and go, holy shit, like, I used to really cake that shit on, right? Now you're like, oh my God, it's like 50 grams of fat. But you can't unlearn what you, what you learn. And I, I try to emphasize that for people just to understand, I don't give a fuck what you do. It does not impact me whatsoever. But I think it's really important to make an educated decision about the choice that you're making. And a lot of coaches, and again, I don't want to demonize coaches either because every client has the right to work with whatever coach they feel is the best fit for them. I do think that if we could frame these things with some preventative or at least setting the expectations of the potential negative outcome of this, of this journey, that people would be better off at accepting what happens post-show. Under, not understanding why their hunger is so high and they can't control their food intake, why they go to bed starving, they can't stop thinking about food, why they eat and then their hunger is elevated after just eating when it's easier for them to fast because as soon as you start eating, your body drives the desire to eat up. 
right? And so then people get into these binge and restrict cycles, which can be detrimental to their physiological health, right? Their psychological health. And then overall, their ability to show up, to say yes to events, to go out to eat, to understand how to live and navigate life. And I think one of the most heartbreaking things that I hear all the time is I just want to be fucking normal. I hear this all the time on consults. I just want to be fucking normal. I want to eat like a normal human being. I want to work out like I used to work out. I want to feel good in my skin like I used to feel. And I think again, I'm not demonizing bodybuilding. I have competed multiple times and I had to go through my own loss of my health to realize that it's not all that it's put out there to be. And I wish somebody had told me these things and had educated me on the fact that some people compete in their early 20s that now I work with that are infertile. Like, that sucks. In your 20s, you think that you are kind of superhuman and that even though you're aware of these potential downsides, that they're just never going to happen to you until they happen to you. And I think that when it comes to disordered eating, I think that when it comes to pressures of diet culture and women being attractive and all those different things, like, I think that health, just being simply healthy is widely overlooked because we've started to undervalue it in comparison to an aesthetic. And you see extremes on both sides, like a shredded body is not a healthy body body and neither is a body that carries too much body fat. And so there is something in the middle that is realistic and sustainable, but because it's not sexy, people don't necessarily buy into that. And so to your comment about you know, how do I feel about disordered eating or what does that mean as far as like, are you necessarily a victim of something that you are experiencing? I personally believe in, well, actually, I don't believe it all in labels. I think that when you label yourself as something, you identify as that thing and it will always be an excuse for you. It will be an easy out for you to say, I have this disorder, so I can't control my eating. I have insulin sensitivity, I have leptin resistance or whatever that might be, right? And so I think that with society right now, in the way that we discuss certain topics, that there's always an excuse for anybody to buy into a victim mindset and not take extreme ownership or accountability of the situation in which they put themselves in. Like I said previously, I lost my health competing because I I accepted protocols and I chose to go down that road no coach held a gun to my head and made me do those things. I was fucking batshit crazy. I was doing very extreme things. I knew they were extreme. And a part of me and the ego on my shoulder was like, well, I'm an extreme person and I'm a fucking athlete. And of course you have people cheering you on for being a psycho. Like, you know what I mean? And so you can very easily, especially being dieted down and your kind of tunnel vision lasers in. So instead of having a broad perspective on life, you're focused on this one goal and it's right here in front of you. And if you don't have someone that can go, hey, Hey, remember this part of your life? Hey, remember these people that you love? Hey, remember this is actually really important? Hey, remember you want to be a mom one day? Hey, remember you want to run this fucking business? Like, hey, don't forget about this shit that's actually more important than you being fucking shredded. And I think that if you don't have somebody or something or a reminder to pull you out and give you that perspective again, you can get very, very lost going down very dark roads. And so I think it's just being able to, one, take ownership of your life. And when I say that, people always tend to focus on the negative. So if something bad happens to you, it's your fault. I do believe that. But on the other side of that, every good thing that happens to you is also your fault under that principle, right? And so if you take extreme ownership over everything that happens in your life, no matter what it is, good or bad, it is your fault. You have taken your power back 
you've removed the label or the idea that you have to exist in a certain way, in a certain lens, and that you are forever a victim to this title or this label. And now you can take that power and shift it into something positive for yourself. And I think that in hindsight of the things that I've been through and the things that I've seen other people go through, like that's one of the biggest and most important lessons that I can carry with me is it's not anybody else's fault, the shit that I've dealt with because I did it to me. And so once you look at it that way, it's like every succeeding choice that I make from this point forward, as long as, again, I'm weighing the pros and cons and I accept that the negative might happen, I can then make a decision that is in alignment with the person that I want to become and the goals that I have set for myself and start actively moving towards that knowing, of course, as a human, I might go to five guys and I might make an imperfect choice, right? Perfect. And we can talk about the idea of perfect um, if you want to, but that knowing that I'm going to make hiccups and there's going to be potholes and bumps in the road, but the goal is to fill that in so that the next time I drive through that same environment, it's a little bit smoother than the last time. And so if you can move through life aiming to not be perfect, but to make an imperfect choice and take the lesson from that imperfect choice to make a better choice next time you are faced with that same uh, obstacle, then you will continue to get better and better and improve and start evolving into the person that you want to be outside of what society or other people have labeled you or what box they've tried to put you into. So that's a lot. I don't know if that, if you have thoughts or response to that, but that's where my head went there. I don't have any responses because I, I, I think that was, every time you say most things, you say most things well said. So it's not that I want to respond. I do. I, there's a lot of things I want to pull out of there because you and I can go on a six-hour conversation about this and still not find the end of it. I think when it comes down to human beings, human beings do mostly through an emotional lens. So when we make decisions, those decisions are typically going to be fueled by emotions. Very rarely do you find people like you and I who are super logical, super reasonable, and are sitting down and doing these kind of pros and cons, Venn diagramming every decision they make. Whereas most people are like, I don't feel good, I'm going to eat. I want to feel good, I'm going to eat. I don't feel good. I'm going to throw up like, and, and they make those types of split second decisions, not thinking about the long-term ramifications of them or how easy the next time that decision is going to be. They're just living in that moment, which listen, as a lifelong fucking asshole drug user, Lord knows I've been susceptible to that too. Lord, every time I put something on my nose, I wasn't thinking about next week or Monday morning when I had to wake up, I was like, I'm drunk. I'm at a party. I want to do blow. I'm going to make the wrong decision, knowing it's the wrong decision, but I'm not going to wake up, wake up on Monday morning with any illusions that I did the right thing or I'm going to perpetuate some level of me feeling good. I know that what I'm doing isn't serving me. And I have a feeling, and maybe I'm wrong, that when people make disordered eating decisions, and I hate using the word disorder because it makes everybody sound broken when they're not, Burgers and fries and milkshakes and pizza and beers and like all these things are tantalizing and they're really nice human experiences to have. And there's nothing wrong at all of consuming them in moderation as long as you understand, the, like you said, the potential ramifications of those decisions. But if you're starting to use this stuff as have tos instead of cans, then I think that's when it becomes a problem. But at some point, is it truly, a, and this is a question for you, is it truly a mental health issue? Is it a, um, is it just a lack of awareness issue? Because some people don't realize there are a portion of the population who don't understand that fast food is bad for you. 
or who don't understand the consequences of something like drinking soda. So there are certainly lacks of knowledge in certain populations. So is it, a, is it truly I'm, I'm deficient somewhere mentally and I need help? Is it I just fucking don't know any better? Or do I know better and I could be making a better choice, but I'm choosing not to? Okay, so I think this is always going to be context dependent relative to the stimulus that triggered that emotional thought or response had. So I, 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 cannot, I cannot make a blanket statement there because I, I think, I genuinely believe it, it's going to be context dependent. But I do want to hit on some of the questions that you asked that I think that people can take and apply regardless of where that trigger might have come from. And I think that one, awareness is critical. And what I help a lot of my clients with, and if you don't know, I do have a disordered eating therapist on my team. So I do not pretend to be an expert here. I do not work one-on-one -on -one with these people. Um, I do have a therapist that I have brought on. So um, with that, I do aim to always learn and educate myself on certain situations. And I think that one of the best things that I've seen as far as a strategy that people can implement is as soon as you feel pulled to do something, I challenge you to stop. And I mean, not, don't do anything at all. Right. If you are like thinking about food, oh, I got to go there. I got to go there. I got to go there. Right. Most of the time, this is because you're going through an emotional point. Something triggered something in you and you have this emotional response. And a lot of people, again, one thing that I personally am working on is giving myself permission to feel my emotions because I'm very logical. Like you've said, you're like quite logical. And I'm like, I get that a lot. But what's funny is I'm actually an incredibly emotional human being. I just don't give myself permission to experience and communicate those things. And so like we all have our shit and that's one thing that I'm working on because I do feel them and I feel them heavily, but I'm very good at going, fuck you. Like move on. You know what I mean? And that's not always a great thing. And we all have our demons. That's why when it comes to people that who emotionally eat, it could be the same thing as drugs. And so I don't like to just label the, the, the thing, because we all have distractive things that we do. When we are highly stressed, like I am someone who processes through movement, which is why I was very good at competing because it was at a point in my life where I was going through a lot of personal emotional turmoil. And I used the sport as a coping mechanism because I would spend three, four, five hours of my day just running myself into the ground, right? So I didn't have to deal with the other shit in my life. And so when you take that concept and you apply it to food or you apply it to exercise, you apply it to drugs, you apply it to alcohol, you apply it to sex, you apply it to porn, you apply it to any of those things. Most people get to that point because they have an emotional trigger that evokes a response that they can't sit with and work through. And so instead of sitting there and working through the thing and actually coming to a solution, they distract themselves with a dopamine hit that removes them from having to sit with and address what's actually going on here and here. And so I think that in those, those high stress moments, if you can just challenge yourself to sit here for five minutes, I don't care if you sit there the whole time and think about McDonald's, I don't give a fuck what you do. It's that you're pausing the habit loop that is go to the grocery store, get the Cadbury eggs. It's, it's stop going, uh, stop, don't run to your car just yet when you're gonna run through McDonald's. I don't give a fuck what you do. Sometimes it's sitting there, sometimes it's, I don't care. Some people will scream, some people will journal, some people will meditate, some people will call a friend, right? Some people will say, you know, bubble baths are stupid. And like, you know, I've seen a lot of people demonizing self-care, which I think is ridiculous. But either way, the point isn't, I can't tell you what to do because everybody's different. But if you can pause yourself and just put a gap there that stops you from going down the subconscious now where you're on autopilot and people say, I black out and I just eat and all the things, right? If you could pause yourself from getting there and stop that habit loop, that's where you can at least start to 
have more disruptions in that pattern and start to make those days less frequent. Because the goal is not, again, perfect. And the idea of perfect doesn't exist. It's so subjective. Everybody's idea, if I were to ask you what you think perfect is relative to what I think perfect is, right, it's going to be an idea that is subjective to the human. And so it's not about being perfect. It's about making decisions that align with what you are going to be proud of tomorrow or what you are going to be proud of a year from now or three weeks from now, whatever timeline that gets you motivated. And so if you can pause yourself and go, am I going to be proud of this tomorrow? And be honest with yourself. No, but I want to do that because I don't want to deal with this or that or whatever. At least you're bringing awareness to the actual issue and removing yourself from engaging in self-sabotaging behaviors that you know do not serve you, do not serve the, the future self that you want to become and are preventing you from actualizing your, your real-time potential and becoming the person that you want to be. But the only person that can break through that is you. It doesn't matter how much you talk about it. It doesn't matter how much I talk about it. It doesn't matter how much support, how many counseling sessions they go to, how many things that they invest in for self-help. It does not actually matter if they don't disrupt the pattern and take an action that they are afraid to take. Because most people, what's interesting to me is they want to do something that they're not currently doing, but they fear what's on the other side of trying to do that thing. Whether it's judgment, fear of failure, whatever that means to that person Right, because most of the time you don't walk into trigonometry and know how to do all the equations. You just don't. But when it comes to education, we can give ourselves grace knowing what well, was my first day in chem. Of course I don't know how to do all that shit. But you walk into a gym and you think you're supposed to be able to deadlift 225 pounds. Like you're ridiculous. You never deadlifted in your life and your form sucks. That's okay. It's unrealistic for you to expect yourself to be great at something you've never done. And so I think a lot of people just reminding yourself like i've never done this i don't know what's on the other side of this obstacle but i know what will happen if i keep going through the mcdonald's drive-thru i'm gonna feel terrible tomorrow i'm gonna have acid reflux i'm gonna sleep terribly i'm gonna sit here i'm gonna look at myself in the mirror and tell myself i'm a fat fucking whale and like feel insecure in my skin and never actually get to where i want to be because a lot of people are afraid to do the thing that they need to do and so again like this is where i come back and apply these principles to myself it's like when i feel nervous to do something I force myself to do it, weighing the pros and cons of that thing. Like, obviously, I'm nervous to jump off my balcony. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to die. Like, that's a stupid decision, right? So that would be a very stupid decision. But if it's, oh, hey, you need to, I feel nervous about going and, like, today, for example, I had to do a, um, an echo bike test. I haven't done an anaerobic test in a very long time. There's a bunch of people in the room because it's like a heat room. So it's like all the boxers in there that do all the shit and jump rope all the time that are like very well versed in this style of training where it was very new to me. It's like, oh my God, I'm gonna look stupid on this fucking echo bike. But I need to do it anyways because how am I gonna gauge my starting point if I don't at least try, right? And who cares if they judge me? Fuck them, I don't care. I'll be in here doing fucking jump ropes and 360s and whatever and give me give me two months you know and it's like but you have to be willing to know that I'm showing up to invest in myself to become better because it's moving me closer to the person that I want to be because where I am though I love myself I also can be better than I am so why not be that you don't always have to change out of hatred which I think is another idea that people have it's like you have to get to a point where you fucking hate yourself and you think you're shitty to want to change it's like no actually if you can reframe that going i fucking love myself enough to know that i am not serving myself in this life that i've chosen these habits these thoughts these patterns this relationship this friend group whatever it might be and then you have to have the balls to fight for yourself because at the end of the day nobody is going to do that for you and then the last point that i'm going to touch on and then i'll let you go off on what i'm saying but uh, the last thing that you mentioned was about food and talking about milkshakes and burgers and fries and all of those things. And I think 
one really important concept to remember, especially if you are in the realms of bodybuilding and such, is we can get really distracted with clean, healthy foods. And you're labeling it because, again, what one thinks is subjective, Dr. X or Dr. Oz or whoever the fuck is going to say is unhealthy. So it's like, depending on who the fuck you listen to, right, you will find people that will support the biased beliefs that you have. And so it's like, for some people, a breakthrough is saying yes to a food that they were afraid of because somebody told them it was bad and would make them fat. For other people, it's saying no to that same item because they have, are now actively working to break a pattern that no longer serves them in their health. And so again, there's physical health, there's mental health, there's emotional health, there's spiritual health, like there's all of these different facets into optimizing the person to actualize our potential in real, real time and be healthy for a longer period of time because it doesn't matter how great you look, if it only lasts you five years, because I want you to be here for the next 50, 60, 70, 80. I want you, everybody to live to be 100, right? But I want you to do that with a high quality of life and be able to play with your fucking kids and your grandkids. And so doing that only focused on the weight, only focused on the aesthetic, only focused on the clean eating, only focused on the pant size that you can wear, right? All of that stuff is, could be preventing you from getting to actual health. Yeah, I mean, the, the internal health stuff, I think the aesthetics is just a nice little byproduct. I mean, I, I talked about that today with somebody. I said, listen, you're, you have a lot of weight to lose. It's because the last 15 years have been unmanaged. And yeah, in the process of, of changing some of these habits, you're going to start to feel better and some weight will come off and that'll be great. You'll probably feel more comfortable in your own skin. But at the end of the day, this is about increasing the quality of life, being able to enjoy every single day, being able to have a decent spirit about it. And let's not be unrealistic. I mean, not every day, I don't care how good you look or feel is going to be perfect. Shitty things happen. Bad things will always occur. Murphy's Law is very real. But at the end of the day, as long as you're... And this is kind of where that concept of control versus management lies for me. Like, I always say control the controllables, but I almost want to reframe that and say manage the manageables because it's less pinpoint. And, like, when people, feel, when people hear the word control, they almost go out of control because of it. But when you hear something like manage, like, that seems a little cuter and nicer and softer and something like manage is really the way that I think you and I live our lives like I don't say no to anything because I know how to manage it mm -hmm. I don't say no to drugs I don't say no to food I don't say no to shit that other people would be terrified of because I know that I I can manage it I know that I can do it enjoy it and then move on with my normal average life whereas for some people they don't understand how to manage things and for them control is that 100% all in or all out mentality as opposed to management, you can live on the, you can live on the margins a little bit and you'll still be okay. Because for most folks, it really is just about management, whether it's time, whether it's food, whether it's having hard conversations, your own emotions, managing those. That's what we're doing every single day that we get up and choose to live life. Like you're just managing, you're just trying to get through it in some semblance of enjoying it. I think that um, what's interesting is there are a lot of people that are fulfilled from the outside in. Somebody tells you you look good. Somebody says this about you. You achieve that Louis Vuitton bag that you wanted. You make X amount of money. You live in some high rise, whatever the fuck, right? You decide that your value has come from the outside. Whereas the happiest people I know, it's, it's a concept I like to call, like being unshakable. It's like they are happy from the outside. I mean, the inside out. 
right? You know who you are. You know what you believe, not what somebody told you to believe, not what somebody told you was true, but what is real for you that you actually believe, right? And you can show up and give that energy regardless of what happens around you, regardless of what conflict, regardless of, again, things that you can't necessarily control. You will never be able to control another human, what they say about you on the internet, what they think about you as a person, what they say, like whatever. People are people. They will always be people. And so instead of thinking of concepts in life, and I really try to keep myself here, like what I would call riding the midline, right? There are just elements that are a part of the human experience. It's not good or bad. It's not happy or sad, right? You can't know joy if you haven't known sadness, right? You can't know happiness until you've known tragedy. Like you can't know triumph until you've overcome those things. So it's like, you cannot just focus on the good and pretend like the bad is bad. Like you can't know the great if you haven't been through the, the darkness. Like there has to be light, but the only way that you know that that, that, that that exists is because you've experienced the contrast. And so I think it's just understanding that like all of those things, anxiety, stress, depression, all of us have experienced those emotions, right? That is what makes us human. And it is not good or bad. It just is. It's just a part of it. And if you can just accept that, and stop trying to control it or think that there's something negative, right? Something's wrong with me. It's a label then, right? You seek it out to justify your emotion when it's like, damn, no, life is just hard right now and it's fucking stressful and there's a lot going on. But I know at the end of the day, I'm going to be okay because just like every other storm in your life to this point has passed. So will the one that you are currently in. And so then you have to ask yourself, who do I want to be on the other side of this? For example, right now, the recession. I know a lot of people talk about finances and money and being able to do these things. And a lot of people, there's flight, fr there's fight, flight and freeze. And a lot of people will just freeze. Where it's like, instead of freezing, let's look at COVID. How did you handle COVID? When you were locked down, a lot of people lost their fucking health. They stopped walking outside, they stopped eating healthy, they stopped focusing on these things, right? They stopped prioritizing themselves. And so right now, there are so many factors in our country that, or whatever the fuck, that you can't manage, right? You can't control. So putting your energy out to focus on things that you can't control is stupid in my opinion because you're going to leave yourself depleted mentally physically emotionally and start to engage in again those self-sabotaging behaviors where it's like okay i know i can control x y and z how can i serve myself right now through this period so that when this ends because it will end it always does that i am in a better position than i am right now and i think if you can think about your future self as you make decisions you can eliminate the up and down, up and down, up and down roller coaster where people live. It's ride that midline to the best of your ability, knowing that it's not good or bad. It just is. And right now in your human experience, you're experiencing this thing. But just like things go up, it will come back down. Or if it's down, it will come back up. Yeah. I mean, that's that's basically how we do anything in a nutshell. I mean, what else? How else can you do it? I mean, then I think we're, we're set up from such an early age with this like pass fail mentality, where it's like, if you don't get the certain grade or if you don't get to the certain school or you don't get to the certain job, like you've just, you haven't, you haven't succeeded and you might as well just stop and life's got no purpose anymore. Or you put these labels on yourself and I am a alcoholic or I am a addict of some sort, or I am a broken person who's depressed as opposed to, I have resources available to me and they don't even have to have a monetary value. And I think this is what, triggered somebody to kind of get mad at me for what I said was that, well, what if some people don't have the resources to get help? When I look at, I, I, I live in San Diego, there's homeless people outside that have cell phones. So riddle me that. If they have cell phones and they're homeless and they have no resources, 
somehow you're acquiring things. You could probably acquire a book that probably teaches you about certain concepts of mental health management that can at least start to get you on the path to recovery or recovering because you're never going to be recovered from any problem you have. You're just going to manage it really well in the middle or very poorly. And that's kind of how I deal with managing anything. Like I, we have our demons. We just manage them. We know how to keep them at bay. And when they bubble up, we're just like, okay, we're going to be here with our demons for a minute, but we're not going to let them overtake us because we have things we have to get done. So I think anybody has resources to a text. I think anybody has resources to an old book somewhere or a library or something. So if you have a problem that you've identified as a problem, why not spend the precious amount of time you have on this earth trying to alleviate that problem to some extent to then increase your quality, fulfillment, and enjoyment of life so you can have a good whatever's left as opposed to sitting in that shell of victimization and panic and freezing in those moments where you feel like you don't have any out and then truly succumbing to that problem. Like there's been so much research done on cancer patients who have basically mentally fought their diagnosis and have bought themselves another two or three years of life when they were terminal, purely from the, from the power of their mental state being positive about their condition. Like it's foo-foo, but it's true. No, no, no. And um, I smile because a, a good acquaintance of mine, I would say, um, interviewed me on his podcast and come to find out in hindsight, learning a little bit more about him, his mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer and they told her that she would die in three months. She told her kids, this was in like a January of a year, um, and she told her children that this next Christmas would be her last Christmas, which was like nine months away. Right. And so our kids are like, what the fuck are you talking about? They just said you're going to die in three months. And you're saying here you're going to be here for the next Christmas. She lived and died the day after Christmas that year. And so this is where you talked about resources. And I will say this. How many people do you know that are talking about, oh, I don't have money for rent. I, I don't know how I'm going to pay my taxes. And then all of a sudden they come up with the money to pay their rent and their taxes. So you can't tell me you're not resourceful. What you're telling me is you have to have your back against the wall to decide to be resourceful because you are, most people are. And I think that we're also in a situation where we are in, in our society, where we feel as though we are not as resourceful because we don't have the extreme 1% things that the yacht, the Ferrari, the boat, whatever, instead of looking at, I have so many resources, go outside of this country and then tell me you don't have shit. Um, you know, I think it's just framing. And I think it's very hard to accept what you do have, and this is where gratitude is such an important practice to me because it's like at the end of the day, like I could have more shit. Sure, I get shit all the time for not having a bunch of shit in my apartment. I don't care. I am happy. I am so grateful. I have a healthy family. I am healthy in my body. I have overcome a lot of shit and I know exactly where I'm going. And the rate at which I travel it is up to me and the decisions that I make. Uh, but when it talks, when you talk about kind of getting a handle on something, again, there will always be the excuse. And the hard thing about excuses, and I do tell this because I do believe it, excuses are valid, right? Life is stressful. Your heart could be broken. You could be fucking broke. You could make a bad business deal. You could fuck up your health dieting to extremes. I mean, you could do a lot of different shit, right? That doesn't make it not valid. It just means that you can either choose to buy into that excuse and continue to exist here because you've decided that that excuse is now a label that you want to, or, you can say, I'm going to fucking fight for me and overcome this thing while I have awareness of this shadow or this darkness or this bad trait that I have or this really poor habit. Right now I've brought an awareness to it. So the only person that can break free of it 
is me and I have to choose to be different and do different to become different. And every single person has the ability to do that, I believe. I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I've, and that's what I was telling this person online. I was, I, I was referencing to her that I've seen people in the deepest, darkest, shittiest holes come out of it completely fine and better than ever, purely just because they had, they just, they had to just get uncomfortable with, with knowing that they didn't want to live there anymore. They could have either just made the decision to sit there and, and accept it, or they were just going to fight through it. And I think you're right. And that's, motivating people without something like life or death or without your back against the wall or without these extreme incentives that people now all of a sudden need as opposed to how about the fact that you're just alive and you have the opportunity to try is that not enough for you like do you need more than that like what if the lights just went out tomorrow and you were just fucking dead and you were like oh well i died being this person great so you know have you ever seen the movie this is the end no but um there was a there was a study that came out and I wrote about this on my email list and sent it out to people where it's like people in their eighties were asked like, what is it that you regret the most? Like in your life, what are your regrets if you have any? And a lot of them say not living up to and doing the things that I actually wanted to do, not living the life that I wanted for myself. And I think that a lot of people, again, and this is something I ask myself every day is like, am I living the life that I want to live? Like what future do I want to create today for me tomorrow? Right. And that makes life really, really exciting. But you can't do that if you don't take ownership again over everything that's happened in your life, over everything that you are today and everything that you can be tomorrow. Right. But again, it's understanding that the habits that you had, the things that you've done have gotten you here. So if you want to change and do something different, you have to become different. So when I coach people, a lot of the times I'm looking at their lifestyles and I'm not telling them to do anything different. I'm actually most of the time telling them to stop doing things that have gotten them to where they are. Because if we're going to grow and change and transform, we have to create space to do that. And we can't do that if you continue to do all the things that you are doing, then try to stack shit on top of it. Because then you get overwhelmed and burnt out. And then again, that can cause an emotional response to a stressor of trying to change your life and live up to these ideas of what health and fitness and all these things are supposed to be. And then you get burnt out and then you get frustrated and then you're driving past McDonald's at 9 p.m. because you had to get your workout in. It sucked because you didn't actually do anything because you were worried about picking up a weight with a big guy across the gym staring at you when he didn't give a fuck at all. He was checking out his bicep in the fucking mirror. And then you want to go through the, the drive-through and again, choose to engage in habits that you previously had done instead of breaking those cycles and doing something different slowly, but surely creating better habits, operating mentally in a better space to then create space for growth and change that will move you closer to becoming all that is that you can be and living unapologetically and authentically as you are. And I think, again, for me specifically, this is a huge thing because I know for myself, I've tried to fit in different boxes to get people to accept me. And I live my life trying to appease other people for such a long time, I lost sight of who I was and what I cared about and what I believed in. And so like letting go of that stuff and just showing up as me, like, I don't give a fuck if you like me or not because my people will and some people won't. And it doesn't matter what you do at the end of the day, people won't like you. I'm sure you get shit all the time for the things that you think or believe or say or challenge people with. But there are things that you genuinely believe and speak on. I don't think that you would if you didn't. Uh, but there are many people that will buy into certain ideas and we can talk about diet culture we can talk about fat things we can talk about fitness shit and detoxes and waist trainers we can talk about whatever it is right people want something 
that they can put their hand behind because then they're a part of this tribe. But if the tribe is not representative or reflective of you as a person, which you actually believe, then you'll experience a lot of just internal conflict, which is not a fun place to be whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all, people don't, people see us now, they didn't see us in our deepest, darkest moments, right? They didn't see you on the couch contemplating whether or not you should keep doing this. You know, should I, should I have this business? Do I want to keep playing basketball? Do I want to bodybuild? Do I want to fucking have another tilapia and rice meal to try to get down another percentage of body fat? They always see the outcome. They don't see all of the depths that we had to go through to get here. And when we sit out here on camera and we try to help people with our belief systems, it's, it's sometimes maybe it's hard for people to resonate because they're like, well, you don't fucking get it because you, you, you're, not, you're not in the shit right now. And I promise both of us, everybody that's watching or that will watch this, we have been in the shit. We will be in the shit again at some point or another. But every time I step into it, I make sure that I can walk out of it and clean my shoe off and make sure that I can miss it the next time. And it's purely because of choice, because I've done it the wrong way a bunch of times. I've done it the right way a couple of times. And the right way is shitty and hard, but it feels really good when you do it because it doesn't revert you back to that old bullshit behavior that kept you making the wrong decision over and over again. And I was tired. I, I was just tired of it. I'm tired of it now. So now every decision that I make comes from a place of complete awareness and complete ownership. And the only person on the planet that I could ever get mad at for any reason whatsoever is me. Yeah. And I'm fine with it. I want to live that way. I want to be able to be the driver of that bus. And I don't want nobody else to have control of it because then I don't, have to, I don't have to live in a world that's outside of myself. And I think um, one thing that I say a lot um, to my clients, and I work mostly with like higher level entrepreneur point in my career, um, but one thing that I tell them is you cannot serve two masters. You cannot focus on being everything that other people expect you to be and also be 100% yourself. Now you can wear different hats in different arenas because you need to be able to do that. But at the same time, you also need to operate with integrity to yourself and who you are and follow through on making on the promises that you make to yourself. And a lot of people can't do that. They get so mad at everybody else. Well, you said you were going to be there and you said you were going to do this and you said you were going to show up and you said this and you said that. It's like, how many times do you promise yourself that you're not, you're not going to stop at the fucking Cumberland Farms and pick up a Snickers and you still do that? How many times do you say, well, I'll start over tomorrow and you never actually start? How many times do you say, I'm going to follow through, I'm going to follow this dream, I'm going to commit to making this thing happen, I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit to finding out and you don't do it. So how can you possibly be upset at other people and hold them to a higher standard when you can't control them whatsoever? Then you hold, then you hold yourself and you control everything that you do. You know, and you said talking about like our experiences and things that we've been through, like I say this because I used to be that person. It was other people's fault. It wasn't my fault. You know, I was just a fucking kid and I was just trying to do the things. And when you come up short, it was your ego that got hit. So of course your ego can't handle it being your fault. Right. And so it's easy to blame other people and project it onto different situations. But then again, it's like, okay, Kate, well, that's not getting you anywhere. So let's try this. Let's just try this on for size. And it completely changed my life because like I said, everything that happens to me, around me, for me, or in, in consequence to, it's my fault. And that's okay. Because now I speak and operate and follow the passions that are on my heart, regardless of what people might think of it, because my people need to hear it. And there are many people that need to hear it. Like extreme ownership right now is like something that people get all antsy about. I'm like, well, or people say it's too masculine. Like, okay, whatever. 
like a boss bitch is going to show up and operate with integrity and walk in the room like a fucking force because she knows whatever happens in that room, whatever she might say, if she fucks up, guess what? It was to show other people that she fucks up because most people look up to people and they think that they're so fucking perfect. So whenever I walk into a room, if I give a speech or I do a seminar, or, you know, a virtual one, it's like, if I fuck up in that speech, I needed to. I need somebody to see me do that because they have an unrealistic expectation of how I am or what I operate with or, you know, that everything in my life is fucking perfect. It's like, no, I've been through the trenches. I fucking had my rocky period and I'm sure I'll have many more of them because that's life. Again, going back to the human experience, you will have times when you were on cloud nine and everything is just fucking hitting. And then you'll have times where you're fucking dragging yourself out of bed because your heart got broken and fucking life fell apart and you're in a financial struggle. And then someone that you love is lost Right. And it's like, that shit's going to happen, bro. And I hate to just pretend like it doesn't matter, but it does. And people watch you and how you respond to them, especially as a parent or a sibling, or if you're one of those people that have people around you all the time that are just looking up to you and watching you, you have no idea who's watching you. You have no idea who's looking up to you and going, damn, she's doing that. I can do it too. So if you're new at the gym and I guarantee you, like I have friends that I went to college with <laughs> and this was like, I'm, I'm grateful in college. I never actually had body image issues or food issues at all as an athlete. I didn't give a fuck. I just ate what I wanted. Didn't give a fuck, but I still had some level of insecurity. And I had this one friend, her name is Amanda. And she is still one of my most favorite people to think about these days because she did not give a fuck what you thought about her. If you didn't think she looked good enough, but she didn't give a fuck. She had the best time. She would show up. She would drink what she wanted to drink. She would dance however she wanted to dance. She would wear whatever fucking outfit she wanted to wear. And I was like, wow, that is beautiful because she is so free. Doesn't give a fuck what people say about her. Doesn't give a fuck what people think about her. Doesn't give a fuck about the energy that people give off to her. She's like, I'm showing up. I am me and I'm happy. I love myself and I'm having a fucking good time. And I'm like, that's life. When you live for you and you are like in full alignment and you're, in the, you're going in the direction that you want to go and you are happy with the potential downsides of that, like that is free. And I think everybody at the end of the day just wants to feel that freedom. And you can't do that by trying to label yourself or fall vic falling victim to certain circumstances. Because when you do that, you give the situation that power. You're literally giving it away. You're like, I don't want to change this. I just want to decide that because I have an eating disorder that I'm going to sit here and like shrivel away or not do anything about it. And it's like, no, I'm struggling. And I'm aware that I have this challenge in my life. Like it's hard. And especially food, like you have to nourish your body. That shit's fucking hard. So if you're struggling with that, like that's where it's like, okay, I know that this is wrong. I can't live like this. And there are so many health consequences to either anorexia or bulimia, like all of those things. There's so many different ones. And again, I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to pretend to be, but I do know, and I've had very people very close to me that have struggled with these types of things. And the saddest thing, if you can't fight for you, do it because the people around you are watching you commit a slow suicide. And if you think about it from that frame of mind, that is fucking heartbreaking. Like, if you think about somebody you love going through some shit that could kill them, that's sad. And if you're the one choosing to do that, and you have people in your life that you love, know that that shit's fucking tearing them apart to watch. Yeah. You're right. I, it's Like I said, we could talk about this for a long time. And I think at the end of the day, like what you said earlier was really powerful, is the fact that you and I can both say this until we're until we're completely blue in the face and we can talk about it every day and post about it and give people endless resources on how to deal with it. But until they actually sit and try to deal with it themselves, they'll never understand how that feels. And because of that, it'll be what prevents them from doing it. So if there's any message that I can give to anybody that will watch this or listen to this, it's just try. And if it doesn't work tomorrow, try again. If it doesn't work the day after that, try again. 
because not trying is really that's that's succumbing and i i don't think anybody is i don't think anybody was born to just succumb to a problem no you are too resilient you are like i don't care who the fuck is watching this you are more you're capable of more than you can even imagine that you can fathom right now in your own personal development but the only way that you're going to find out what you're capable of doing is doing hard things i tell my clients all the time you deserve to do hard things that is how you grow you don't change by doing the same things. It's like people that go to the gym and lift the same weight for the same reps every fucking time. And then 12 weeks later, like, why didn't anything change? Because you didn't force any changes. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to be willing to say, hey, this is going to be fucking crazy. I'm probably going to laugh at myself as I try to do the fucking shuffle this way or whatever it might be, right? I'm doing athletic training now. So I'm just thinking about all the funny shit that I do on a daily basis, right? That I haven't done in such a long time. But once I get back into a groove, I'm going to get good at it. Like, I have no doubt that I will because I cannot fail if I refuse to quit. And that's applicable to anybody for any endeavor. I don't give a fuck what it is. You can't fail if you refuse to quit. So accept that you're going to fuck it up. You will fuck up. You will not be perfect the first time or the 15th time. But I guarantee by the 100th time, you're a lot better than the first. And if you are making progress over time and winning more days than you lose, then in the long term, you are going to get much closer to where you want to be. But the more time that you waste thinking about it and making excuses as to why you can't do it, blaming your coach or blaming the next person, the longer that you are postponing, the time horizon is going to require you to get there. So just do the thing. Like when people talk about Nike, it's like they just throw around, just do it. I'm like, but what does that mean? Let's give people actual principles. Like, that's what it means. It means stop pretending that if you wait longer, you're going to find more clarity or get more information. The only thing that's going to give you more information and more clarity is by doing the thing. You just got to do the thing and then find out what's on the other side of a fucked up effort because it's not going to be perfect the first time. But you're going to get better and better and better if you refuse to quit. Yeah. You're right. Well, listen, as always, I appreciate your insight, your time, your expertise, your viewpoint. Um, I could gloat about you for the next hour, but I'm not going to. You already know how I feel. Thank you for all of your ideas today. Hopefully somebody gets something out of it. I would. That's really the only mission I have is somebody just changes something at some point and moves in the right direction. So I hope you have a lovely rest of your afternoon. You too. Uh, having me on. And I, again, I do hope it helps. If you guys ever need any support, I'm here. Yeah, you don't have to reach out to me. Reach out to her too. You can reach out to him too, so. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. All right, we'll talk later. Bye. Bye.